from conception, we form connections to rare collections of matter, space, and time. Body, soul, and mind, forever and now. It's all around you. Can you feel it? Don't hesitate. Everybody love. Everybody love. Everybody love. Love everybody. Love everybody. It's weird. It's that moment when you realize that the thing that got you here is the only thing that gets you beyond the fear. So sooner or later, you gotta make a decision. Which one is gonna be the one that you surrender forever now? It's all around you. Everybody love, everybody love, everybody love, love everybody, love, 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 love everybody love. All right, we're back. And uh, Quentin, this week we are in the middle of our gleet. Um, yeah, I like that one. Uh, especially because Tim's off, back. It, it, rolls off, it, rolls off the, it rolls off the tongue, too. Yes, it does. It does. Uh, and, uh, and you know, the, the reference to, like I said, Tim Thatcher. He's finally back um, in the, you know, Tim's house in the middle of Tim's street. Uh, and he'd be perfect showing up in gleet, right? But Quentin, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, it's to the point now where, like... The wrestling I watch, I just kind, I just kind of can, I just kind of condense it to like the days where I'm off. So like these are like just binge days of wrestling for me. So I've watched a lot, and I'm ready to talk about MJF. Obviously, since he is the most important thing in wrestling. <laughs> yes, I uh, yeah, I got my wisdom teeth pulled. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast. I know I told you uh, outside of the podcast, but last week, week before, or whatever. Um, and I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to record that week, but then we ended up recording. And I don't, and I don't I, like I said, I don't even know if I remember telling you. Um, either way, and that weekend, I stayed home. I think it was like last week. I remember probably the weekend before. Either way, um, uh, I stayed home like the whole weekend, right? Because I got it done Saturday morning. And uh, I stayed home and I did the same thing. And my days off, I just binged a bunch of wrestling. Uh, wife has started school and work and everything else. So, um, she's busy so hey what am i doing so i just watch and i was like damn i cannot believe i used to do this like every weekend like i there was times like when the gwe stuff was really hot and heavy and it was just like watching tons of footage yeah. i was like watching wrestling i did the math one time on this week in wrestling with pete and i was like i'm watching like 40 hours of footage a week like or at least spending 40 hours of a week watching footage i'm like this is a second full-time job of watching wrestling footage at that time at the peak and it's fucking nuts to think like I, I i was uh i was doing that and haven't really been doing that anymore um so yeah i uh, really really did it that uh, that weekend and then this past weekend did not have the chance very busy this past weekend uh niece 
niece's birthday and my uh, mother-in-law and my wife's birthday are all around the same time. So uh, that was fun. I uh, went to a birthday party at a park, a very bougie park in Beverly Hills because uh, my brother-in-law, I guess, is, uh, you know, he thinks of himself as a very fancy lad. Um, he did move here from, from the UK or moved back here from the UK relatively recently. And uh, like f uh, three, four hours at the park and at no point during the entire time there did I not have an infant in my hands. Uh, for some reason, the twins both really like me and I do a pretty good job of keeping them calm. So I had to <laughs> be holding a baby at all times for about three to four hours, you know, in that range. Um, so... Monday morning, my legs were like, damn, I am, uh, I am not uh, used to, you know, bouncing around with a baby for four hours extra on the weekend. You know, I was a little, uh, I could feel it a little bit working out different muscles, you know, I gotta, gotta do a little bit more cross training. Uh, you don't get the same workout riding a bike that you do uh, uh, playing with a baby, I guess. No, it's a, uh, it's weird. Like, like, you know, like how you, like you've like known about my sisters forever, but it's like, it's weird to like be around other babies now. Cause it feels like I helped like raise my sisters. I'm like a good deal older than them, and to be around babies now is like I know how to be around babies, but at the same time I don't. Cause I'm like, oh man, like I haven't been around a baby since I was like 13, 14 years old now. So now like babies are almost like a like a foreign object to me. Like I just don't know <laughs> I don't know what to do with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because I I think I definitely know we've talked about this before, but yeah, we both kind of have the same thing. My my younger sister was born when I was like 11 years old. So when I was around yeah 13, 14, we had, you know, infant in the house and I was doing the same thing. And uh, I think it's just made it so I'm like more natural. Honestly, I'm just like, I think if you're little, if you're young with a baby, uh, I think you uh, get used to it. Or like you, for you, because it's been so long, you maybe you're, uh, you're thrown off. You're, uh, you've got to get back in the swing of things. It feels weird, but but uh, that's the baby talk on the podcast. It's been a while. <laughs> I don't think we've ever <laughs> had baby talk on the podcast before, really. Um, unless we were talking about maybe uh, Daniel Bryan and uh, and Brie Bella's kid or something. I don't know. Um, or maybe John Moxley's kid. Did we talk about John Moxley's kid at all when the pictures were going oh, no. around? That kid looked looks great. Like that kid looks like John Moxley, right? They say babies look more like their dad when they're first born, um, as a way to trick the dad into sticking around. Um, <laughs> that's literally what they say. I know it's weird, but it's just the truth. Um, but yeah, so uh, that kid definitely looked a lot like Moxley when it was first born. Um, but uh, yeah, Quentin, uh, <laughs> what uh, what's on the the topic du jour this week? I guess. Okay, we got a couple things we can choose from. We can talk. We can start with AEW. And we can start with just a little bit of housekeeping and catch up there. We can talk about Buddy Matthews coming into AW. We can talk about um, the last night's Dynamite and the MJF promo that I mentioned a little mentioned a little bit ago. We can mention Revolution. Uh, I don't know if you saw any Dynamite, so I don't know if you saw Danielson versus Garcia. I did, I did. We can talk. Yeah, we can talk about prestige since it's apparently the second biggest indie in America. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, we got um, we got some, we got some other things. I guess we can start with the thing that we that like we both that like um we did we didn't both get a chance to see. You saw the New Japan Okada versus Naito match. Oh. I'm the one. I'm I'm the one that suggested it, but yes. I didn't even watch it. So Same we can get man. we can get that out the way. You set me up on that one. Yeah, no, uh, I told, you know, we mentioned it a little bit off the air, talking about it. I would say definitely, to me, has to be their, not their best outing, probably their worst outing, really, together. Um, 
the biggest takeaway for me is just Naito looks so old. The stuff is so... I hate to say it, but repetitive. The style is just... It's what you expect, but it's turned down. It's slowed down. Um, that said, I mean... Naito is pretty good at slowed down, working, you know, focusing on a body part, um, varying it up more than he used to. So I have to give him some credit there. I remember it used to be super repetitive that basically everything he did was always working the neck, neck, neck. He uh, mixed it up and he was doing neck and arm targeting specifically. Um, English commentary. I listened to English commentary because I know a bunch of people say, no, it's insufferable. But to me, it's like, if it's annoying and I don't want to hear it, I can turn it off, um, right? Like I do with most commentary, like shout out to Kevin Gill. Um, but uh, it, sometimes you can get some details out of it. So it's like, you know, the Japanese, while I don't know, it doesn't do anything for me. I get nothing out of it, unfortunately. I'm not, I've never been one of these people who like listening to the Japanese commentary, like gets them hyped. I know that some people it does, it adds to it. Commentary has never really been, for me, something that like gets me more excited in a match. Um, I just get information usually from the commentary is what I'm looking for. So uh, commentary putting over that Naito has been working over the arm and the neck intentionally for the Destino because, you know, Destino is a neck attack, but he does, you know, he swings around on the arm. And especially with uh, Okada, he counters the Destino quite a bit in ways that involve catching him with the arm. So if you've weakened the arm, he's not going to be able to catch Naito. And you've got the Rainmaker, right? So all of that. And I mean, in some ways, even to the um, money clip, you know, if, if, if you weaken Okada's arm, you weaken his money clip as well, which he went to a lot. So that was kind of the thing. It's like night again. I talk about Naito looking so old and and slow and and a half a step down and all this. But when you look at it comparatively to Okada, who doesn't look as old, <laughs> doesn't look as worn down, uh, but when it comes to like working and and varying their offense Naito does such a better job of actually varying he's going to different holds different attacks working different like you know working the body part intermittently going from the arm to the neck back and forth and Okada like when he was working the mat he was money clip money clip money clip it was the same thing that he did when he was first using the money clip like Okada just doesn't he's tried to add a little bit to his game when it comes to that but he's got very little when it comes like to, he just He's like a dog with a bone and he just sticks with the same stuff. And he does do, you know, high, some high impact offense kind of moves and things like that. But when it comes to the mat, man, he just goes to the same hold repeatedly. That's like, that's kind of his thing. So, so that kind of hurt it for me as well. Um, crowd was relatively hot for being able, only being able to clap, but, uh, yeah, I would definitely say, you know, and, and just long to be long, you know, that's the, that's the biggest problem with new Japan matches at this point is like the main events have to be long and it's just like a rule. They can't be, they can't shorten them down no matter what kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of, that was my takeaway on that. For what it's worth, I think I saw that it went under 30, but like still un under 30 can be, can mean like 20, 28, 59 or something. So it's like effectively it's still 30 minutes, but I thought it was interesting. People said it was under 30 and I didn't know how, uh, how far under 30 it was. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Because in the commentary, they were talking about it, and this was, like, before it ended. Like, if it ended now, it would be the shortest word title match. But then it continued on for quite a while after that. So, I don't know. I don't... I, maybe, maybe, maybe. No, you know what? It did go under 30, officially. So, I guess so. But, yeah, still still felt long to me. So, I don't know. Um, I guess, really quick, <laughs> before we uh, move on to any other topics, as we're doing, uh, we're doing just stuff... Just stuff that only me... I am, uh, I'm going to repeat, I'm going back uh, to, to do a follow-up on my uh, 
hard hitting uh, or acclaimed <laughs> uh, undercover journalistic uh, study of GCW live in Los Angeles tomorrow night. I'm going to go to Welcome to Heartbreak. I last minute bought a ticket this morning uh, when I saw the Briscoes versus Jacob Fatu and Juicy Finale. I said, I'm going to go. Um, checked out the rest of the card and AJ Gray versus AC Mack has me interested and uh, and the Major Brothers versus Janela and pa, uh, X-Pac had me excited. Um, they have another show like the next night and that card looks bad and has a worse uh, Speedball Mike Bailey match. Mike Bailey versus Blake Christian on Saturday versus Mike Bailey versus Ninja Mac on Friday, which could at least possibly be funny. Dr. Wagner Jr. versus Homicide. I mean, what the fuck? And uh, Blake Christian versus Nick Wayne, which at least could be so bad that it's funny. So I might enjoy getting to see that live and just how terrible it could be. So, uh, so yeah, my uh, my undercover uh, reporting and GCW will uh, will return as some people appreciated that last time. Yeah, you're a you see your GCW expose. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think you'll I think you'll remember this. It's like kind of what the spiritual successor to what was a. Uh, what was Lanza trying to do? Like a like Jakara expose, like how many oh, yeah, years ago? Yeah, you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um Yeah, that uh <laughs> exactly the same thing. But yeah, that's uh that's the Tim corner, I guess, the things that only I have going on. I wanna go to a GCW show. I feel like they haven't like come to like my area. No. Like they've done like Philly they've done Philly in New York or whatever, but they haven't like come to like D C or definitely not Baltimore for sure. Yeah, they don't go into the the DMV really, which uh, you know, not surprising, I guess. I don't know, maybe they would do okay there, but maybe not. You think Leo would do pretty good there for them cuz he's local and or you know, kind of local and did pretty good in like MPW in the past. Yeah. Are we good? Are we good? Are we ready? Yeah, yeah. We need to talk yeah. about AEW or something? <laughs> no, do you want to talk about AEW? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you. I don't know if you caught any. I don't know if you caught any dynamite. Uh, I watched all of it actually. Uh, yeah. So. Okay, I saw. Um. I saw. What are they tonight? The are they the kings of the black throne? Yes, kings of the black throne. Oh, okay. So yeah, Terrible I saw that. Name. Hate that fucking name. Honestly, yeah, real bad. Night, 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 night of the black throne was better. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's king, right? King, because Brody King, I guess, is the. But it's so fucking stupid, and. uh... I don't know why they just can't be House of Black. I don't know why they have to be House of Black yeah. and Kings of the Black Throne. Hopefully now that they have another member, they'll just call it House of Black more. You know, like it's just a it's a like a stable more than it is a tag team. Um cuz yeah, the Kings Kings of the Black Throne is like obviously PWG because, you know, Super Dragon just lets them call themselves whatever they want. Um and these two these two guys no one has ever accused Malachi Black and Brody King of being the smartest wrestlers, right? You know, or, you know, intelligence-wise. <laughs> so these dumbasses come up with a stupid name like that. Um, yeah, it's uh, definitely, definitely a rough one. One thing when it comes to names, one thing that I enjoyed in that match is I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I I called it out a while ago. They did the um, they did the Sumerian Death Squad spot, um, where. Malachi Black picks him up into like a vertical suplex and then throws him forward like a gourd buster and Brody King catches him into a power slam. Um, yeah. They had done that before. They did it here or they attempted to do it here. And uh, Excalibur said that they call, they call it Dante's Inferno. So I was like, oh, okay, there's a little bit of a shout out to Michael Dante, right? Okay. 
So I thought that was that was interesting um, that they yeah because they used to call it something else when uh, when it when they were Sumerian Death Squad. Um, so yeah, I I did notice that. Uh, one thing that I did notice this was I was like, there's too many fucking spooky people in the in AEW. This is like a, a four you know every member of this tag of this tag team match is like some kind of spooky guy, um, including Alex Everhontes coming out dressed up like a ghoul. That was a, a bit much for me. Yeah, that was that was that was weird. That 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 part was strange. I was fine with the Penta Obscuro thing. Penta has like the leeway, I think, to like his character can just kind of do stuff like that. I don't, I don't know why his manager had to like then join in and I don't know, just try try to look like Paul Bearer, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, the only only thing I really liked about the about the match itself was I've seen people highlight the spot and like you can call it goofy or whatever about the, like the doing a move to your own partner kind of thing. But I actually felt like the spot with Brody chopping uh, Penta and then that turning into a Frankensteiner. Or reverse, or reverse Frankensteiner. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really cool. You like that? Yeah, I, I thought that actually. I thought that actually. I thought that actually made sense. <laughs> okay, I think I've seen like a version of that before. Um, I would say that it was. This was a better version than what I've seen before because I've seen someone do something similar to that before, um, and this was definitely I thought better. But it's a. I don't know. It's a bit corny, but fuck it. Like yeah, I, you're right. Like it's kind of neat, and the crowd's into it. You know, it's. It's, and and the people who are doing it with it being Pac and uh, and Penta, it, at least like that's a plus because, obviously Penta's, a, I won't say he's a great base, but he definitely gets up and, and moves around for lucha spots like that, uh, well enough. And Pac, obviously, is like one of the best high flyers and uh, top ten wrestler of the 2010s, um, so of course he's able to uh, to pull it off really smoothly. Um, so yeah, like, uh, so yeah, I, I think that that was the best possible execution of that move that you could possibly do. Um, that said, I think, uh, I, I think it didn't get a lot of love in certain circles that me and you frequent. what do you think? what do you think of Buddy Matthew showing up after and him seeming like he's with, with them? Fine. And like the, that prop, I, I can't imagine that lasts very long. I don't think. I mean, I guess it's fine. I don't, I don't care. And I don't, I don't know how to say this, but with everything that they have and with the way that wrestling has moved so much, like, why do they sign a Buddy Matthews? I just don't see the the point. Like, I, if it's a joint kind of guy with New Japan, like something like Jay White or like what they were supposed to do with uh, Leo Rush, I get it more. Um, But yeah, I just, I don't know why they need him at all, really. Uh, he's just not, I know that he's got a lot of buzz and he's got the right people are a fan of his, you know, and he had some, he did have some good matches on 205 live that, but that was like five years ago. (laughs) Like I just, you've got, we'll talk about it with the main event, but you've got Daniel Garcia. You've got, you know, on this show, Ricky Starks, you've got tons of talent. You've even got 10. Like, I'm not a fan of 10, but, like, the Ricky Starks 10 match that's after this, like, he's over. He's insanely over. You've got, like, John Silver uh, in the opening match, Battle Royal, who's insanely over. You've got all of the best friends who are insanely over. Like, you've got plenty of people who are over and good enough workers. I don't know that you need Buddy Matthews. It's such an odd, like, why even fucking sign this guy? Um... But 
I mean, you know, maybe I'm wrong and he's going to really prove it. Um, I was thinking, what was I thinking about? I was thinking about uh, Adam Brooks recently. And I was thinking about how funny it is that, like, there was a point when Buddy Murphy was, like, a, like a knockoff Adam Brooks. <laughs> and then, like, now you're at yeah. the point, no one knows who the fuck Adam Brooks is. You know what I mean? And, like, uh, and, and Buddy Murphy's obviously now a knockoff Kenny Omega, but he's a much bigger star than Adam Brooks is. And it's just, it's funny to think about how that goes. Um, but yeah, that, that did cross my mind the other day. It was like, oh yeah, Buddy Murphy was like the less good Adam Brooks. I was also thinking about Team Banff or like, uh, yeah, the, the Buddy Mercy, Buddy Murphy. That was factor. such a weird fucking name. They were, yeah, they were the Blake Alexa Murphy factor. Like, yeah. The fuck, the fuck was that? Well, I liked even before that because they were trying, before that they were trying to just be Team Thick with like T-H-I-C-C, but they didn't let him use that name. Um, <laughs> I wish they had just gone with that, you know, fuck it. But, uh, but yeah, that was what they initially were calling themselves on, like, uh, the small, like, local indie shows in Florida. But that whole team, I remember thinking about it, back about it, and I'm like, fuck, I loved that team. And I didn't even think of Buddy Murphy. Like, really? Like, that team, the whole unit, was just, like, really fun and great. And uh, they had a ton of good matches and all that stuff. But, like, this Buddy Murphy, to me, for some reason, doesn't equate back to that unless I really, really think about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he was he was that guy. I really liked that guy. You know? And then I really liked him on 205 Live. Like, there's just something about Buddy Murphy that I just... Maybe it's just lack of personality, lack of charisma. He just... No matter how much I've seen him and liked him, no matter how much he's had great matches, I just... I don't think that he could ever be a needle mover. And maybe that's just for me. Because I just... I don't get invested in him. And I've been watching this guy for fucking ever at this point. I've been watching him wrestle for probably like 10 years at this point. And uh, I forget who he is sometimes. So, yeah, that's why I'm like, I don't know why they fucking sign him. But whatever. What do you think about uh, Buddy Murphy showing up here and baby meeting in the group? Is it even Buddy Murphy uh-huh. or is it Buddy Matthews? Buddy Matthews. Okay. See what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, no, I, I understand. I'm like, I'm not someone that's ever been like super enthused about him. I think he's a... Like, good wrestler like he's not he's not bad i mean by, by any means or whatever but um like am i totally bought in that he's like this guy that if you just let him loose he can he's actually gonna be one of the best wrestlers in the world like no i'm not like that into it but is he a guy where i want to see him like do stuff on rampage and like dynamite spots and like multi-man tags and six-man tags and stuff and i think he could be like useful in that regard I think I think so. Like he might not be a big star, have big star potential. I don't I don't know. I think it's probably like safe to say at this point. But there's like Buddy Matthews matches I'd be interested in seeing for sure. Um, like will that like kind of like run its course for, sh- for like definitely. But I think there's a spot for him. I don't think that he should be a marquee guy or anything by any means. But I wouldn't be mad at him in some kind of like. TNT title situation or him being uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a prominent tag team or when they roll out those six-man tag team belts eventually. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think he's fine. I think that, like, I know I don't, like, unless it's, like, Keith Lee or, like, someone who I feel like has that kind of potential, I'm never looking at it in terms of, like, oh, this person's going to be, like, a needle mover, like they're gonna be a ratings difference or pay per view buys difference. I'm like, okay, that's a good person to have on the roster. And if you're just saying like, I can sign Buddy Matthews to my roster 
I don't know. I like for m- most of those times, like eight times out of nine out of ten times, I would take him. That's fair. If if you're still looking to build out a roster, I think I agree with you. But I, I just talked about like pointing out how many people they have that already have the roster. You know what I mean? That they already have the roster depth. That they don't need to keep you know padding out the roster. Um, because I just don't think, even at his best, I don't think that Buddy Matthews is a top twenty-five wrestler in the world. Honestly. And, like, to me, I think that that's, should, that's putting it kind of... That's being kind of, like, giving a lot of leeway. I think that that really should be the cutoff for wrestling someone... Or for signing someone who's not going to be, like, a star. Like you said, like a Keith Lee. Where it's, like, this person can be a, a ratings draw. Like, a big-time needle-moving star. I think that if you're hiring someone because they're a good worker... They need to be, like, top 25 wrestler in the world level. At least. Some people, some people, Some people might think he is. That's the thing. Is like... You know, like we like AEW, but I also can't act like we're like exactly who they're marketed towards. And when That's fair. That's fair. he go and we and when he goes out there and he does his best Kenny Omega impression, they're still going to eat it up. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's fair. I guess you're right. The, the, the Naito Okada thing should probably be the giveaway, right? I should understand that. Uh, that you know, it's not you know, wrestling is not necessarily all for me as much as I want it to be, um, because. There's a ton of people who like shit that I think is not that great. <laughs> you know, like that's just, uh, that's it. And there's probably a ton of stuff that I like that people think is not that great as well. So I guess whatever. Yeah. That's fair enough. But uh, yeah, I just, to me, I'm kind of like, I just, I don't think he's good enough to be signed to pad out a roster that's already insanely fucking overdone. Um, no, no in, my, my, in my opinion for him, I get going to AW. AW is just a hotter and bigger company, and like you also feel like you're, you're, I'm talented. I could break through, but to me, I'd be, I'd be if I'm him. I'm like I'd want to do more indie stuff and like probably be an Impact guy. Yeah. Because I feel like if you drop him off an Impact and the wrestlers they have there, you drop him off, it's like oh wow, this is an amazing wrestler, like compared to what they have on the roster there. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely, uh, I think right on. Um that's uh yeah he's probably better off he could be a top guy there um i think he could be another one of these guys who yeah i think that if an aew allows him to work the indies he could build up some buzz and become like something more of a name although he probably already has plenty of buzz and i'm wrong because i just i undersell how much people are into him but i just yeah did you did you see him versus okada uh yeah yeah the one the 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 one that was in strong or whatever right uh yeah it was it was it was good yeah it was really good yeah that show had like a Jonah match on it too that I think was pretty decent. I'm trying to remember. Either way, um, yeah. How do you feel about How do you feel about Jonah since he's been since he's not been great? Out? Like it feels like not great. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Not where he used to be. I don't know what the fuck happened. You know, he's another one of these guys who probably got in his head in WWE. Hopefully, he figures it out, um, puts it together. And I think you know what? If he could get back into Japan, that would be a big difference for him. I think, because um, I think that he would do a lot better over there than he is going to do on the indies here in america um so yeah getting actually yeah. to go back to japan would probably be a plus for him um yeah that's a that's a yeah um i guess oh, there was more aew right the main event i guess is that like the only other thing uh now let's go let's, let's do uh punk versus mjf first and then uh, oh, yes, we can yes, um yes, yes. get to the main event so you saw all of aew 
Uh, so this was, you know, like like every MJF promo is regarded as one of the best promos of all time and sure. shit like that. But I watched it a day later and I really enjoyed it. I know some of our friends weren't particularly into it because they're like, they want MJF as this straight up heel with no blurred lines or like they're not really interested in having sympathy for MJF. I thought it was a very interesting and well done segment based off of how Punk's segment last week went. So before I get into like into my whole thing about Punk and MJF and like how those two things connect to each other and the story they're telling, uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on like the promo from MJF last night and like how it connects to the wider wider story they've been telling this whole time? Um. I think I'm with you that I really enjoyed it and thought that it was a great uh, promo um, in a bubble, <laughs> you know? Like, I think that just the promo itself was really good, and I think that it got, again, got people into it. But I don't know what the plan is, you know, what the what the end goal of something like that is. I don't think that you're going to turn him here, and you especially aren't going to turn him when you still want to do the feud with Wardlow who Wardlow feels like a, a major baby face coming out of that, that feud. Um, and I don't, I definitely don't think you want to turn punk heel. So it's tough because in one regard, I want to say a good promo is a good promo, right? No matter what, no matter what the context is, if the promo is good, that's all that matters. Um, and you can transition it into whatever you want it to be moving down the line. I question it though. I look at it on paper and I, I just question, well, where do you go from here? And what do you do with this? Um, one thing I thought about is, and this is, you know, obviously it's not a huge, huge difference, but just a few years ago, uh, when we were really in the, like the heart of people, like severely being afraid that there was like, a you know, a, fifth sixth reich of of like anti-semitic well movements in america and just like the fascism and all the trump stuff and all that like and and to the point where people you know were talking about like how afraid they were to be jewish in america at times um with you know like obviously the uh the synagogue shooting and and a lot of the terrible stuff like that like, I think it would have been an even bigger kind of babyface thing because it's it's interesting because MJF has a lot of his career. Obviously, he's always been a heel and a lot of his career has been, uh, you know, during this time where Trump has been president and there has been like, a little an undertoning buzz, an underpinning buzz of anti-Semitism in America. He's not leaned into even talking about his background and being, you know, Jewish at all, really. And that's probably for a good point, because right now, I think. You know, up until right, just even just recently, like being Jewish, a Jewish wrestler in America would make you a babyface. Uh, you know, you can see a prominent piece of shit who's completely left wrestling recently, who leaned really heavily into his uh, his background and being Jewish, and how that like honestly added to his his um, overness with people, and they were into him because of that. So, so yeah, it is kind of interesting to think if he had cut a promo like this even a couple of years ago, where people were even more kind of hot button about anti-Semitism. Uh, I think that it would have gotten even bigger. It would have gotten him over even bigger as a babyface. So, 
um, there is that, which is kind of interesting to think about. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm with you that I, I really, really liked this promo. I think that as a heel, you can make stuff like this work. I understand people being concerned that like this baby faces him too much, but I'm sorry. Like that's part of, honestly, that's part of being a heel is it that if you every now and then get the people to actually be into you and then you spit in their face and you tell them, fuck you. And you're still a piece of shit. They're going to hate you even more. Cause they like, they feel like they got tricked by you and they were actually invested in you emotionally and you're still a piece of shit. So you can actually make something out of this. It just depends on how far you want to go. And MJF has not backed away from the heat at this point. Uh, I've never once seen MJF get scared, flinch and back away from the heat. He is a hundred percent into it and totally okay with being the bad guy. Um, both publicly and whatever, like he had a messy breakup with Allie catch, right? And that shit was all online. And she was talking a ton of shit and saying that uh, he was a piece of shit and all that. And you know, everything bad. And he never came out and said anything publicly to try to like get away from that. And this is like, that's like a personal life thing. You know what I mean? But as like being a heel, he just didn't acknowledge it and didn't like try to go like, actually I'm a good guy. You know, he just let it be what it was. So I just, I don't think that MJF is afraid of, of pushing buttons and, and being seen as a piece of shit publicly. I think that he very also like very much separates, like, well, there's one thing in which like you could say that he like understands like the value of not giving too much of yourself so they can be, be invested in hating your character and also thinking it's not worth putting my personal life out there for these people to like dissect and like get really into. Like, I don't know what their status is now, but I remember like seeing like, Alley Cat comment on an MJF po- post on Instagram recently, so it's like whatever they went, what they were going through, going through a few years ago. It seems like they must have like patched up to be on like somewhat decent terms or something like that. But like going back to the promo itself, I can understand people's concern if this wasn't a feud with CM Punk, and where one of CM Punk's defining moments is "Stupid old man, I'm a snake," and. I feel like MJF is such a CM Punk nerd and CM Punk has proven like in his time back in AW how good his his wrestling mind still is that this that no matter which way it goes they're telling a really interesting story. So this can either be MJF does this gets Punk to let his guard down and winds up fucking over Punk and laughing in our faces and stupid old man I'm a snake I learned that from you this and that or Punk lets MJF think his guard is down. MJF thinks, thinks he's about to fuck Punk over and Punk turns the table on him and Punk is like, well, you you think I would you think I don't know how much you studied me and that I shouldn't have seen this thing coming. Or if this is just a completely straightforward narrative about how MJF feels and Punk kind of spitting in the face of of what MJF has kind of has worked towards all this time. I feel like it has three very viable options in which it could go, where I feel like it's an interesting narrative. I think what makes this work, and what I've been saying the whole time with this MJF and Punk, Punk feud, and I've always prefaced it by, by saying, I'm not saying that you have to like it. I understand why someone wouldn't. But this is a, almost exactly the story I've been saying they were telling the whole time. That MJF was a big Punk nerd. He's been trying to go out there and impress Punk. And whether you think it's childish, immature lazy cheap heat whatever he's thinking i'm gonna do go out there and do these zingers and take these low blows and get the cheap heat and i'm gonna show cm punk what i'm made of and cm punk just laughs at him 
the entire feud is kind of basic and petty up until a point. And they have the singles match, and the singles match is great. But think about the promos. Think about what they're actually feuding over. Do they really have that much of a reason to intensely dislike each other? Not really. They trade, they trade, they trade jabs, they trade barbs, they do that stuff. There's some attacking, this basic pro wrestling stuff, but nothing that goes beyond a certain line. MJF screws Punk, and Punk comes out, he wants his rematch, all that kind of stuff. And Punk, I can see why MJF would take what Punk did, showing the picture, and dismissing the whole situation the way he did, as kind of a low blow. Like, well, hold on. I didn't do that to you. I didn't take that kind of route with you. You actually just, like, disrespected something that I actually held sacred and dear to my heart kind of thing. So even if it wound up being a ruse to get Punk to let his guard down, it also makes sense that MJF will react that react that way, at least in my opinion, because he can take the, take the, take the approach of, we've been feuding, but I didn't do that to you. I didn't try to come at you in that kind of way um at least at least that's how i view it i don't know if like you think i'm like reaching there or like making my old headcanon or whatever but like you got any thoughts on like that specific aspect of it yeah i uh i definitely see i definitely see that side of things i uh i i definitely as you mentioned that it it checks out it makes a lot of sense like the idea that punk kind of made it personal as you say because up until this point it's been wrestling, and that's one thing that you can say about MJF, and you we even mentioned it, you know, talking about it um, with the, you know, relationship and outside life. Like, MJF doesn't bring things personal. Everything is within the context of wrestling. And even in the promo, he really talked about, like, how important, you know, wrestling is to him, like, actual you know, pro wrestling and, and his obsession with it and all that. But, like, the outside life and all that stuff beyond that is, is separate, you know? It's not part of it. Um, so, yeah, I could definitely see that, that he was taking a personal shot at something about MJF and, and you could say MJF screwed him or this and that, but it's like, again, that's all part of wrestling. And if you believe the MJF character and the things that he's willing to do while also talking about how obsessed he is with professional wrestling, um, that you can see that he thinks of that stuff as being fair in the context of wrestling. Right. You know, because if he's that obsessed with wrestling, like why would he constantly cheat and all of this stuff? If he doesn't think that that's all acceptable, within the context of wrestling, which is something that he holds dear and is important to him and all this. Um, so yeah, so I could definitely see like, okay, you're, you're taking a personal shot at me and my, in my life. And I, you know, I'm calling out. So even if you talk about like things that he said about punk, uh, that you could say are personal, it's all been stuff that was in, within the storylines, especially if you go back to like the Jericho punk feud which is funny to point out, but like the stuff that Jericho said and getting into punk's like background and his, you know, family and all this stuff, like that stuff has all been introduced into the world of the universe of professional wrestling. Right. Um, so that's why you could say MJF thinks that that's fair game, that he can talk about that stuff about punk because that stuff has already all been introduced and talked about in the context of pro wrestling. And meanwhile, MJF didn't talk about, you know, his background and, and, you know, the stuff is him as a kid, like you said, like him taking that shot at him. Um, it, it, that's never come up because MJF keeps that stuff separately and it hasn't been in, 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 in the way he said it, too. It was like, this is probably the most important day of your life. And to me, we're just another Sunday. And it's like you say that and it's like. In a way, like, it, it kind of heals punk a little bit because you're like, 
well, damn, he was a kid, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you know, it's like, you know, like, that's like the way you, like, I feel like, like these guys, like, are like, they understand what words mean. I would say, like, when you go out there, like, if you're someone on CM Punk's level, and I would throw MJF in there, too. I think MJF has, like, done enough as a promo to where, like, I feel like he's, you understand what words mean. You understand what words convey and come across, and, like, how they get perceived. Well, if you say that, like, MJF is a heel, so immediately the reaction is to, like, cheer for and, like, ah, fuck MJF. But when you do hear that line and you sit on it for a second, you're like, well, damn, that was kind of rough. That was kind of, yeah. like, a real prickish thing to say. And then when you look at MJF's reaction, and I feel like you can't talk about the MJF promo without his reaction to CM Punk pulling out the picture and saying what he said, where he looks mad. He's, for the first time, he's at a loss for words, doesn't say anything, and then he comes back out and has and does that promo the next week. That's what I was saying. I don't really think that you can, like, tell the story without that added, like, bit of context there. Um but ultimately, I do. Th- I'm not concerned about concerned about any kind of face turn for MJF. Um, I do think that everything he said in the promo was true. But like, I think that MJF also wouldn't joke about being called Jew Boy and getting quarters thrown at him. Like, I, I think that he, I think that that's that's definitely all true. I think though that this will be like ultimately a ruse, and whether this leads to like MJF getting the one up on CM Punk again. Or CM Punk, you know, letting him think he had it, and then CM Punk coming out on top. Whatever it winds up being, I still think MJF MJF stays as a heel. But now this gives you the MJF face turn in your back pocket if you want it, though. I think that ultimately you still want MJF as a heel. You still want to get to MJF versus Hangman. Um, I think that's, like, still the, the title program that should happen this year, preferably leading into the summer, being a big all-out program, having for a couple of months, however it goes. But now that this now that this promo has happened, now that that kind of uh, the band-aid's been taken off there, if you want the MJF, the MJF face turn at some point, it can be there. And say if you look at War, if you look at Wardlow, right? And what has Wardlow's whole thing been? Uh, the uh, like the excessive violence and power bombing people, however many different times, and it's cool now because people are cheering for it, and it's going it's going against what Sean Spears wants and all that kind of stuff. But I can see something that kind of comes across double turnish if Wardlow say just like beat the shit out of MJF that way, like five six power bombs or whatever, and like again I don't think it'll happen, but I think that that promo gives them enough creative like creative room that if they wanted to do that and have it come across as a double turn that it would work now so like i don't know i think i think it's just the the promo and the content and the way that they built up to it the way that they built up the story gives them a lot of creative uh freedom i i think yeah yeah definitely uh there are some places there it's interesting because i've talked about jungle boy and mjf and how i like them having a a storied rivalry and really being the top guy, you know, could, could be the, the pillars, the pillows of AEW, right? Um, I talked about that basically when the company started. I was talking about that. Uh, before MJF learned what the pillars were, um, I was saying that maybe not in those exact terms. Um, and then kind of transitioning into a similar role with Darby and, and MJF. And 
And then now this, I'm just like, this is just getting good. And it feels like they've been feuding forever. They've had one match, really. Um, and the match really delivered. And then now it feels like the promos are continuing to heat up and get more interesting as it goes. I want this to be a long-term feud. I want this to be a feud that continues going on for a while. So having something like a Wardlow feud breakup mix up whatever interlude within it and then eventually weaving back into a punk mjf thing like i'm game like i'm into it so i just i hate to to do this because maybe i'm a bit on an island here but i've been saying this kind of singing the praises of the guy for a long time the common you know string and all of that is mjf and i just think like while I sometimes will go like, God, there's so much hyperbole about the praise of MJF. At other times, I'm like, when you've got someone, <laughs> fuck, why do I have to bag on this guy? But when you've got someone like Nick Wayne getting the buzz that he's getting, uh, MJF deserves every bit of praise that he's gotten, honestly, uh, comparatively, because he's the real deal. Like MJF really is becoming the real deal. Um, I'm sorry, but MJF is a better wrestler than people still to this day realize. I think more and more people are getting it, but name a bad MJF match. Like, even if you don't necessarily love his work, you don't ever leave his matches saying that they're bad. Um, and I think that that just goes into what he's doing. He's telling stories. He's not having crazy spot fest matches. He's kind of shown that he can do that. He can also show that he can do like old school heel babyface matches, which is actually really funny to think about that compared to Osprey versus Oku being the only heel babyface match that's ever happened. Um, meanwhile, MJF has been doing them in AEW for long enough. But the MJF MJF versus CM Punk literally happened in January. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a better heel babyface match than yeah. Either way, um, like he can do the old school limb versus limb work match. He can roll around on the mat. He can do. He can literally do it all. And he's so kind of still subdued in the work and still focuses on his, his promos and all that side of things that people think about him more as just being an on the mic character guy. But like I said, MJF's is the real deal. MJF is, he's got that intangible thing that I I've talked about for many years on podcasts where the ACE, the top guy has to have special chemistry with every wrestler on the roster. And MJF is, is really proving that he's able to do that. Anyone who has a prolonged feud with MJF, like there's something unique about the MJF interaction with that person. He puts enough thought and he works hard enough at it to make it something special that you never get just boilerplate. Oh, MJF just doing MJF thing. Every time when he's working with someone, he's specifically working with that person. And uh, I just think that that attention to detail, that artisanal craft style professional wrestling um, is what makes someone one of the, you know, one of the better wrestlers, one of the top guy potential kind of wrestlers. And I just think at his age and what he's already shown that he's been doing, if he continues to do this, I don't know if it's crazy to say that in a few years, you're not talking about an MJF is, you know, in the greatest wrestlers of all time conversation, truly. Unlike uh, Chris Jericho, who's, you know, fake goat, um, but, you know, followed <laughs> Joseph Monticilio for, for that. Uh, keep an eye, keep your eye peeled for that story. But yeah, I just think MJF, uh, MJF is really proving to be the real deal. And I thought, there's been times I said this guy's getting too much hype. This guy's not cracked up everything he's cracked up to be. But I think he really is. I think he really might be the real deal. And I think uh, we're starting to see it develop more and more. 
Uh, we can talk about the main the main the main event for a second. Danielson versus uh, versus uh, Daniel Garcia. Oh, quickly, another quickly. big spot. Sorry, oh, go quickly ahead, before go ahead. we do, you didn't watch the the opening battle royal, I assume, right? Um, I saw the ending. Okay, that's really the point. The match itself was kind of a clusterfuck, whatever. The ending, I didn't love, but I thought it was okay. The post match, uh, Adam Page stuff. Talk, we've talked a bit about Adam Page's title run, but this, it really hit me here. Adam Page is working as the champion, as the guy. When he came out here and beat the shit out of Red Dragon single-handedly and sent them packing, I'm sorry, but he felt like the biggest, you know, the biggest badass in the whole company for that moment. Yeah. <laughs> he feels like the champion. He feels like the top guy. The Adam Page title run is working. And this, I thought, was an angle that really solidified that. Yeah, that, that, no, that he... He came, he came across great there. Like, yeah, uh, Adam Page is definitely in the running for like, you know, like in a wrestler of the year sense. Like, we'll see what will happen, what he does with Cole. But in terms of how he's felt, he's felt like a big star in the matches. Of, in the matches have delivered the Daniel the the second go around with Danielson, the Texas Death Match with Archer. He's delivered on those fronts, and he and he actually feels like a a, a big star that could get even bigger. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, feel free to uh, talk about the main event. Uh, I just wanted to, I wanted to get that in there because yeah, Adam Page, watch, he's a star. Um, Danielson versus Daniel Garcia in this, uh, in this main event spot. Good look for for Daniel Garcia here. People have been clamoring for Danielson versus Garcia since Danielson came into the company, and it lived up to what you'd expect from those two. Still not a big spot. Still not the kind of like dream match feel or whatever, but. It served its purpose, and I think that might be more important here. That Danielson went out there, and Garcia fought, but Garcia was very clearly out of his depth here. He was, he was, he was in some deep waters that he wasn't prepared for, and it was, it was cool to see him not fold so quickly and still be like, "No, I'm with 2.0. They're my guys. I came in here with them. Everything, even down to try, even down to trying to chat, try, trying to attack Moxley after the match and all that kind of stuff." But they, but they did plenty that I liked. Um, but obviously, we know that there's a better match between Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson in them if they got the platform, the time, and if that's the story they wanted to tell. Um, Moxley versus Brian is official for Revolution. So unless you had some thoughts on uh, Danielson versus Garcia, I was thinking we could just preview Revolution real quick. Yeah, the only uh, thought that I had is it just came up when you mentioned that, like this a match that people have been clamoring for since Brian came into the company. Um, I would say, actually, I remember clamoring for this match, hoping for this match when the Garcia signing to WWE uh, stuff was like being rumored around. Like that's how far back it went for me when when there was the idea that Garcia showed up in NXT and was a free agent and possibly going to sign a contract. And then that article came out where he said he wanted to stay independent and all that stuff. During that time, I was like, oh, if he goes to WWE, I hope that he wrestles Brian Danielson. So, yeah, like this is a matchup that I had been hoping for for a while. Um, and uh, and yeah, I think the only thing that uh, that's important to think about, and as you mentioned it there, kind of everything that, uh, that was going on is like, that this was this is a match. This match is just a, a stop on the road. This match, just like the Lee Moriarty match, um, which I have to say, unfortunately for Lance Storm on his podcast recently, uh, he kept calling him Lee Johnson. He got him confused with the uh, big shoddy Lee Johnson. Uh, not a great look, but I can get. You know, yeah, yeah, that's not, that's not a great look. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I get mixing it up, but uh, just not the not the best. Um, 
th that match as well didn't deliver at the level that you would want because that was not the point. Um, it was a it's part of a story, um, and the storyline is more about Brian Danielson and Moxley. So I yeah. get you know we're not getting it here what we necessarily want, but yes, let's go to uh, Revolution preview, and I may even have a little bit of a teaser for the people listening to the podcast um, when we get to the end of the Revolution preview. And even we might do some live housekeeping because I know how much people love Palace Intrigue. But uh, let's go for it. Okay, so it's not confirmed who the third team in the in the, uh, in the the title match will be. Right now it's, Jung it's still Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, Red Dragon, and then the third team to be determined next week in another, in another Casino Battle Royal. Will it be the Bucks? I I don't know. Maybe, probably. Who knows? Um, but that uh, we have that. Um, Danielson versus Moxley. They got confirmed. Punk versus MJF on the do in the in the dog dog collar match. Page Page versus Adam Cole for the AEW World Title. Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho. And what what we have, what what else what else do we have here? I think it's Britt ver Britt versus Thunder Rosa. Um, yeah, I'm like, as you're going down it, I'm like, damn, I didn't even realize this much was already official, um, at this point, because I'm like, I was like, we want to do the preview, but it's, it feels like it's far out and we don't have that many matches officially announced. Yeah, we, we pretty we much, do. we pretty much have, we pretty much have the whole card, I think. Face of the Revolution ladder match is pretty much filled out except for, uh, one to be determined. And I don't know... If that's going to be, um, they're going to have a play-in match to decide who it is, or if that's going to be a wild card, because I remember someone mentioning that there's a wild card in it. You know how much AEW likes to do wild card guys in these kind of matches, um, but we've got right. Keith Lee, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, and I know when you're hearing that, you're thinking, what the fuck? We've got these big hosses all in the uh, in this ladder match. Um but we got the upset of the year as far as uh, uh, <laughs> Verb Gagne was uh, concerned in Ricky Stark to beat Preston Vance to get into it. Orange Cassidy or Anthony Bowens, I guess they have a match probably on uh, Rampage this week to determine who it's going to be. I'm going to guess that probably the match has already been taped and I, I sound like an idiot for not just saying who it is. Um, but uh, I don't know. And then a to be determined that will probably be a surprise. I don't know if there's any surprise signings or show-ups that we know of or that have been rumored enough to think that that's who it's going to be. Um, but I feel like this has got to be Keith uh, Lee's to win, right? The, the There's been some talk that's, that uh, the Swerve signed. Oh, duh, yes. That is official. So I could see him being the surprise and winning because this is for the TNT Championship. And I said Keith Lee, but uh, I think you want to get Keith into the top of the card picture pretty much instantly and while i think that swerve probably equally could be at the top i they probably want to have him start out more at the tnt championship level a swerve versus sammy guevara match i'm not gonna complain about i'm sure that they wrestled it in wrestle circus or something and i'm just not remembering or maybe they were part of uh some trios match that also included uh the the jml crew you know with uh, sammy callahan and uh, ohio is for killers but uh yeah I'm, I'm sure that they've met before but i would not uh, be upset about seeing it again on tnt um, or for the TNT Championship, I should say. Uh, but what what uh, what are, what's your thoughts there? Um, yeah, that 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 is a tough one. I feel like for the TNT title, it would have to be the, it would be, it would be the surprise person. I feel like you're doing something with war. You're doing something with Wardlow, 
Powerhouse Hobbs doesn't feel like a TNT title guy, but it wouldn't shock me. Keith Lee feels too big for it. In between Orange and Bowens, like Orange is already cha- Orange is already challenged, so it wouldn't be like bad to see some. Yeah, I'm gonna go with whoever the mystery person is, and it feels like it could be Swerve, but I don't know. Look, that 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 match is definitely like kind of a wash. Uh, we didn't get to talk about it last week, but I did have some thoughts. I feel like people are sleeping a lot on Adam Cole versus Hangman, and I don't know why. And for as good as MJF versus CM Punk versus CM Punk was the first go around, and I think that it'll deliver the second go around. Um, I think that Danielson versus Moxley can be could be excellent. I think that the tag I think that the tag title match, if it winds up if it winds up being the Bucks, could be a really could be a really fun match. I think people are just not talking about Cole versus Hangman enough, and I get it. Like, it's not like Cole is super hot right now. Um, I, don't, I, I can say that, I think you can say that no one really feels super hot right now, other than Hangman, Punk, MJF, um, and even Moxie to a certain extent. But I, we've seen Cole for years. We've seen Cole for years, and we're not gonna act like Cole's the best wrestler in the world or anything. But I've seen Cole deliver in a wide variety of spots, and I've also and I've seen him deliver in a bunch of different settings. And in a straight-up title match, straight-up wrestling, I feel like Cole gets undervalued and downplayed. Yes, he's a great gimmick match worker, but I've seen him do stuff like the Ringmasters match, whatever, with Chris Hero. The second Johnny Gargano match is really good. Even stuff, even like even some of the other stuff that, he, that he's had. I think that I know the history of Adam Cole. I know the history of Hangman Page. We just saw Hangman do some things we never saw him do before versus Brian Danielson in ways of selling and stuff like that. We know that Adam Cole can do that nerd bait stuff. I'm expecting this to be a really good match. I don't know if I'm out to lunch here. I don't know if I'm putting more faith in Adam Cole than is deserved, but I feel like people are like looking at his AEW run and he hasn't done like the most ridiculous amazing things. He has been part he's been mostly telling this like a story with the elite slash bullet club Red Dragon, all that kind of stuff, intertwining these different things that people might not be into. And he hasn't had a ton of matches. He hasn't had a ton of singles matches, the most prominent ones being Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy. But I think people are definitely not giving Adam Cole credit here for like how good this match could be, at least in my opinion. I think this could be a sleeper match of the night. Uh, yes, and we talked about this uh, <laughs> a lot after we stopped recording last week, and uh, it was kind of funny because as we were doing it, I was like, we never fucking do this, where we're literally talking about wrestling, and I was talking like we were still recording the podcast, and we probably should have been recording. Um, we were like literally talking about wrestling in the same way that we talk about it on the podcast, which I thought was funny, um, but yeah, we went, we went into it, and I... 100% agree with you so that's why I thought I actually thought it was pretty funny right now when you were like saying like I don't know if I'm out to lunch it's like you know I agree with you we talked about this already um but yeah like both these guys have something to prove and both these guys have shown that when they have something to prove they can they deliver um I think Adam Page maybe after this week and how fired up he looked I don't even know like I don't know if that's a plus or a negative for that concept because I don't know if he feels so confident that he doesn't think he has something to prove or he came across so fired up because he's really trying to show it. Um, 
And Adam Cole has in the past, he's when he has his back against the wall and he's got to prove it, he usually puts up um, and he and he proves it. Um, and on top of that, the, we talked about it off the air. Might as well bring it up again. Might as well stop referencing that we've already talked about this stuff. I can't help it. I always do this. Um, these guys have known each other for fucking ever. They both came into ROH around the same time. They both uh, joined Bullet Club around the same time. They've basically constantly been around each other for a very fucking long time. They're super familiar with each other. They've talked about it in promos that they were like, you know, roommates in ROH, locker in, in the hotels, all this stuff. So I can't imagine these guys don't have tons of chemistry with each other, are not insanely ready to go out there and just fucking absolutely murder it. And as you said, they both need to show, they need to show out because up until this point, I think people have been down on Adam Cole and saying, ah, you know, what's this AEW run? What is this? He's nothing. He's not a star. He's buried. Blah, blah, blah. Adam Page, same thing. He's just got the title. He's had a couple big matches, but with people that everyone considers better than him. And now he's going to have a match with someone that people would say is at his level equal to him. And it's time for him to prove that he's the man and that he's the champion that I think me and you both think that he is. Um, so, yeah, this is a big time matchup with a lot on the line and two guys who've shown that when they have it on the line, they got something to prove. Um, weird to go from that to talk about this because it's literally listed as like the number one match on the card, but it was one that you just overlooked because of how unimportant it feels. Jade Cargill versus Ruby Soho. Um, honestly, I think that'll be really good uh, because Jade is really is talented, physically gifted, athletic, and I think ready to be led to something by someone like Ruby, who we've talked about in the past. Ruby is better when she can wrestle against somebody who can base for her, who's someone who's big and strong and can make her offense look like a million bucks. And I think Jade is probably, you know, one of like, you know, the top three, top two wrestlers, women's wrestlers in AEW who have that strength and agility and ability to make Ruby's offense look great. So, and, and, Ruby has the mind for wrestling to help lead her through this to where I actually do think that this has the chance of being a really, really good showing for both of them. Um, there's also Hardy family or Andrade Hardy family office versus Sting Darby and Sammy Guevara in a uh, tornado six man tag match. Uh, Andrade, Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy versus Sting Darby and Sammy. Um, and that should be, you know, wild and crazy. And just a tons of tons of stuff going on, and uh, it's weird that Andrade is basically turning into like a weird comedy Matt Hardy universe character. But hey, I guess you know that's just where he's at right now. Yeah, um, I don't know what to make. Of, obviously, everyone can't be stars. Like, I think that's a that's a thing that people like have a hard time accepting when it comes to wrestling sometimes. But yeah, it 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 is weird the, the place Andrade's in right now, and I don't know exactly like what to make of it. To be honest with you, yeah, I I've enjoyed it. He's funny. He's naturally like a very funny person, which is interesting because I would have never predicted that. But maybe I should have because um, he was he was funny in a way. You know, he was endearing in the Los Ingobernables, right? Like, he, he had kind of an attitude that was... That's the thing, I think, about Los Ingobernables in Mexico that, like, kind of... I think people get overlooked is that it was a bit tongue-in-cheek at times. You know, like, they were cool, but it was also not, like, insanely serious. Um, even the name is kind of, like, obviously a joke, you know? Um, 
so he's always been like he's always had this personality but uh, to see him in english which is definitely tough for him and, and i've heard reports that he's super self-conscious about uh, his english and stuff um that he's able to be entertaining and the long-term storyline that like he thinks darby is a little boy that he wants to purchase is just very fucking funny and like you know it works so yeah like you said maybe not everybody's a star but getting to see andrade like show some personality and and be entertaining in a different way is kind of it's kind of nice um yeah, I think that maybe that's that's a good thing for him to like go to so like go do something where there's no real expectations on it. I mean, then that might be a good thing for him. Yeah. Um. So, how do you feel about the preview? You got anything else you wanted to to get into with the preview? Um. I guess like so we know. Okay, we're in. Uh, we're about to begin March. All out is kind of like a tail, like a tail end of summer, kind of kind of show. Uh, double or nothing will be come will be coming will be coming up in a couple of months, and I'm thinking Punk versus MJF has been going on for a while, but also feels like it just started. So we know that it feels like whoever wins this should be moving on to face Hangman. Who do you think wins here, and do you think it's the right timing to move on from this feud? Ah. <sighs> I, well, I was saying earlier, I don't think so. Um, I don't think it's the right time to move on, is what I mean. Um, but that said, um, all right, so it'll be double or nothing. You said like summer, right? Double or nothing is double, double or nothing is I think is usually in May. May, okay. I know. Oh, double or nothing. Wait, no. Yes, all in. Would be at the late summer, right? All in, all in, yeah, all yeah. in, yeah. So, or all out, all out, whatever. All right, yeah, it's all out is. now. Either way, that's the one because one I know one of them took the spot that used to be Bola. That was like the thing, and I know that Bola used to be the last weekend of August into September, like uh, whatever holiday that is. Um, that's like my only touchstone <laughs> reference for this stuff, um, is because of PWG basically because I'm really bad with dates and things. Um, so that said, uh. So here's here's how I see it. Wardlow. This match with the dog collar, this is where the Wardlow story happens. I think it has to be. I think the next pay-per-view, double is that that's gonna be double or nothing in like May or whatever. Um mm-hmm. that's where we get the MJF Wardlow match. And you could do Punk and Adam Page there, I think, right? Um Okay. So I think Punk probably wins. Wardlow is involved somehow. He either fucks it up or or intentionally costs MJF the match, but I don't think so because I think that Punk is going to want a clean win to make up for having lost to MJF, even if there was a lot of fuckery involved. I think he'll get a clean win back. And I think you go Wardlow, MJF at the next big show. Uh, but or, uh, again, uh, double or nothing. Punk, you do Punk against Adam Page at Double or Nothing, and then I think that the next big show after that, All In, we get back to Punk and MJF again, honestly. I do think that we go back to it, but I think we take a pay-per-view cycle off, do the Wardlow thing, and then go back to Punk and MJF. That's that's how I see it. So you wouldn't, so you don't think at all, we don't, you don't think we get the MJF versus Hangman at all in 2020, in 2022? Uh, or you, or you, or you wouldn't do it. 
Might like get full it, gear? Yeah, might get it at full gear the end of the year. After that, I think MJF maybe gets the win off of Punk relatively clean, and then you go from there to MJF. And, and you probably, at that point, you talk about having MJF win the title. Really. Um... And then yeah, we go from there. But I think that's that's probably what I would how I would see it. I think that and I think that MJF probably should be the person to win the title from Adam Page. And I think going I from from Page to MJF that way, I think you really start to establish that uh, the AEW title is kind of done being with people that were stars before AEW started. You know what I mean? And I think we start to establish okay. that this is a title for AEW for AEW wrestlers. Okay, I think um, this is like this is most intriguing match, not just because of the because of the story, but because like it does have those kind of like direct title implications. So MJF already won, and like Smart Money would be that like Punk would win, and we still have another week. So like. Do they do another big Punk versus and Punk and MJF segment, and that's where like the shoe drops, and MJF reveals he was trying to do this to Punk or whatever? I don't know. I feel like that probably doesn't get resolved in the pay per view. At least I feel like story story sense, it wouldn't make sense to really revisit that until the pay per view. Um, but yeah, I think I, yeah, I think I think it would have Punk win, have Hangman versus Punk, Hangman beats Punk just like he beat Danielson. And then MJF finds his way back to the title picture at some point. And I feel like that could probably happen before All Out or leading into All Out. I feel like no, no, I feel like no matter what, MJF versus Hangman should be the title match for All Out. I think no matter what, it should be. I think that that should be the two AEW guys going head-to-head in this title match. That should be the All Out uh, main event. But I think that Punk wins. And I don't, I don't know. We'll see. But, like, it's... It's, it's, a, it's a really intriguing booking decision where I can't really say whatever they do is, like, wrong there. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I just think that you've got Punk. You've got him as, on a big money contract. And I think that the idea should be to build to the big show, you know, as theoretically as far as they're concerned, being him challenging for the title at least once, right? And I think... Now is probably the time to do it. So, so yeah, I think they'll probably end up with Punk and, and Page first. So I think we both pretty much agree on that. Uh, yeah. And do it at I guess all in. But you're th- you're just thinking MJF versus Punk at uh, at all in basically. No, 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 no. I'm thinking, I'm thinking MJF versus um, yeah, ha- MJF Hangman. versus Hangman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah. thinking I'm thinking probably Punk versus Hangman at uh, at all in. Would probably make sense. Um, what do you, What do you think is like? What's your pick for match of the night if you had if you had to pick? Oh, jeez. Um. Ah, man. Punk versus it's a, MJF. It's a really good. It's a It's a really good card. I think it's going to be Punk versus MJF. I think that's going to really do it for me. Uh, even last year, I talked about it with like Punk. I think that for for my money, as much as I've loved like. Brian Moxley, Kingston, and all the matches that people have like heralded for them. Uh, Punk to me was the can't miss wrestler. All of his matches were just so fucking good, uh, his, especially his big matches. So I think Punk MJF is, is gonna. I think I would predict that to end up being my match of the night. Uh, what about you? 
Um. Yes. Oh, I don't want to bet against Danielson and Moxley. That's the thing. Like, um, sure, sure. But the dog collar. I mean, again, that's another part of it. Yeah, the dog collar adds. CM and C, it's CM Punk's track record in big matches so far in AEW is just like. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't go against Punk. I'm going Punk versus MJF for the dog collar match. Yeah, I just think Punk has a history of being yeah. good in dog collar matches. It's a big match. It's a Punk match. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be good. Uh, you're an old EC, you're an ECW head, somewhat. I think uh, might be a little too young for that. But um, what'd you think of us? Uh, there was someone in the YouTube in the YouTube comments for the for the for, the, for uh, the promo that got posted, and they're like, "Oh, this reminded me of Kane Dewey." How do you feel about that? Um, that feels forced. <laughs> that feels really forced. I get it. Because the idea is just saying that this feels like someone who's kind of working a shoot and bringing real life emotion into wrestling, um, you know, instead of doing a, a, I guess it's it's the same thing, right? It works shoots the thing that everyone talks about, but it's like doing it properly. Um, so I guess like for that frame of reference to say like it feels real and it feels like super emotional and like that you're bringing like that into into the context of a promo and getting a lot out of it i get why someone would say that but it feels like someone who like has no frame of reference (laughs) and no depth so like that's their the closest thing that they have to reference it to um and it's like a bit of a stretch because there's been tons of promos that bring feel like they have real life emotion to them you know, but it's like if you're if you're young enough that you don't remember stuff from like the 70s and 80s and like, you know, you think about stuff from like Dusty and Flair, you know, and, and actual like people bringing real emotion into promos um, that way, then like, yeah, sure. I could see why that would be the only thing you could think of to compare it to. Right. You even have stuff like uh, like uh, Zabisco and Bruno, which I think is a better corollary when you talk about like fan and superstar, you know, reaction right or interaction um something like that and like yeah but when you don't have like enough depth of knowledge it's like the closest thing you can compare it to is something that's like similar because of it having that emotional resonance so i get where they're coming from i like where their head's at but uh they need to you know study study tape (laughs) um i can't believe we went this far without mentioning this uh might uh, not gleek for some time here, but um, Cesaro left WWE. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, before that, before that, like I said, I wanted to do a little tease and maybe a little house cleaning okay, on the okay, air. Okay, okay. So let's do this. Okay, so we're going to have, I think, very likely a very special guest for our Revolution review show. Okay? Quentin, okay. this is breaking news to you, but this is it's important to me um, that we're going to have this guest. So <laughs> the housekeeping on the air is... When we record the review of it, do you think that you're going to want to do it like our, when we normally would, like a Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, or would you want to try to sneak in and do something earlier in the week? I um, mean, those are the days in which I'm off of work Perfect. and I get off late. So like, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Then we will plan it and we're going to plan it for that Thursday. Everyone look out. Uh, our, our revolution review will be, uh, will be later in the week. and a very special guest. All right. Cesaro review. Like so, remember, like revolution. That like that that would that wouldn't. Okay, that yeah. So locked in for the for the for the tenth then. Yes, exactly. All right. Okay. So, okay, yeah. okay. so everyone, look forward to that. 
and this uh, very special guest who I'm literally just going to message them. We're going to record on the 10th right now. Uh, that was why I was doing that. But I do want to tease for the people. This is it's a big deal to me. I'll say just to tease it. My favorite podcaster. Uh, just I'll just put that out there. If you know me, you might be able to figure it out based on that. Maybe not. Um, but yeah, he's there. This person will be our guest to review Revolution. Uh, but uh, yeah, we will we'll move forward, Quentin. Uh, Cesaro leaving okay. WWE. We don't have it. Do we have any more details? Um, it seems like they just couldn't come to terms. Like on 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 uh, on pay on pay. I think that that just seems like they couldn't they couldn't come to terms with that. I remember seeing that they had locked Cesaro up for like a longer deal though last year. So I don't know what so I don't know what exactly happened. But it's look yeah, it's looking like they just like negotiations fell through and his contract expired. Like, and it's one of those situations too. It's not even like a release thing. His contract expired. Yeah, it it could have been intentional on his part, because um, you know people do that. They push it off and they push it off because they don't really plan on signing. Um, and but if you're, if you are, uh, negotiating in good faith, then the, the you know the, the 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 holder of the contract may not feel the need to push any kind of option that they have. Um, up until the last minute and WWE especially recently has famously and historically shown to not be up on dates as well as they could be um, a pretty glaring example that I remember in my head right now is when uh, a ton of wrestlers uh, that were meant to be going on international tour uh, ha- didn't have visas because WWE had not kept up on that do you remember that a couple years ago um, yeah <laughs> yeah so WWE has not done a great job of necessarily keeping up on this kind of stuff so they may have thought Cesaro is you know again good faith uh, negotiating the contract uh, seems like everything's going fine don't necessarily need to option or or ask him to sign an extension and uh, hey look at this what's that my contract is up I actually uh, don't have any kind of non-compete and I'm gone um it's fucking crazy to think because that means he could show up at revolution or even before then um at any point yeah. in AEW and uh i don't see why he wouldn't and why someone like tony khan who we've talked about is a pretty smart uh wrestling fan uh we talked about buddy matthews ad nauseum already at this point but i'm sorry cesaro uh leaps and bounds better wrestler than uh buddy matthews and a guy who i think i mean yeah i mean, I yeah. mean yeah, we're, talking, we're talking about one of the greatest wrestlers of all time <laughs> yeah and uh and Claudia, and, and, uh, and cesaro obviously oh, sure <laughs> yes but yeah i think uh cesaro shows up and with the history <laughs> that he has of perennially being considered uh under pushed undervalued um i think he shows up in aew and he gets a hero's welcome the second he walks you know down the ramp so so yeah this is fucking nuts um yeah, I guess that's my piece. What do you what do you think? <laughs> it just seemed like at this point he was a WWE lifer. Like I wonder what it would have had to be the for him to not resign. Um, that yeah that that's that that would, that would be my inside. That would yeah. be what I what I'm thinking is like, what would it have been for him to not resign? Because we've seen Owens resign, we saw Zayn resign, and you would think that Claudio was in the same boat. And for that to not be the case is kind of interesting. Um. Now, Claudio, I think, is like in his early forties now. I think, if not like late thirties, like he's right on the right on that right on that border there. Obviously, still in great shape, but you still have to wonder how much Claudio has left in the tank. But you still look at Claudio; he has no signs of slowing down. 
you had to look at Danielson and Punk and, and Punk and, and AW right now, and you can imagine he feels like he has so much more to give. And yeah, if, uh, obviously if I'm Tony Khan, I w- I would have been talking to Claudio all day, uh, trying to trying to figure something out, work out terms, work out will be a good time for him to show up. And uh, yeah, I'd be booking Cesaro versus Darby Allen as soon as possible. Yeah, I think. Uh, oh my fucking god! Ah, uh, yeah, that is. Um, yeah, that's like. I mean, think about this. We can get a. Uh, or, or actually, let's not think about it. Like, why would I even say this? Because it couldn't happen. But we could get a uh, Claudio versus Fire Ant match. Um, if Fire Ant still yeah. wrestled, um, you know. But uh, yeah, like. Yeah, just if this guy just miraculously showed up in a mask. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's fucking nuts to think about and. You talked about it. I mean, he's 41 years old as we speak. Um, he looks as good as he's ever looked physically. He looks the same. Yes, he, he hasn't. He hasn't aged at all. Has not aged. That's the the smart thing about shaving your head early. You know, shave the head early and you don't. Yeah. Age. But also physically, his like his physique. The man is a freak. And here's the thing. Like you said, he seemed like a WWE lifer. But you have to keep in mind that. I mean, number one, obviously, WWE signed Solo Del Rey as a, uh, you know, as a, a coach, agent, all the stuff that she does now has a weird rep, uh, somewhat negative, I don't know, all that stuff. But when they initially signed her, that was to get Claudio's name on a contract as well. Like, this is something that people overlook, was that they had signed Claudio, there were some issues, he left, they wanted him back, they wanted him back bad, um, because, yeah, he got signed, left, came back, and part of coming back was they signed his you know girlfriend wife whatever they are at this point i don't know if they've ever officially gotten married either way uh that was something so they wanted him right you know obviously you look at him he's the kind of guy that they'd love it's weird because you remember when he first came in it seemed like they were actually going to push him um and then it never panned out for whatever reason but claudio the only friends that i've ever heard of claudio having being close with in wwe on the road um john cena Claudio and John Cena got along really well when it came to training. I know this. I know that they, you know, work out like freaks together because they're both fucking nuts in the gym. Um, so Cena's not on the road. Cena's been gone for a long time. And the only other one that I've known of of Claudio having, you know, close friend in WWE is Brian Danielson. So, like you said, is he a lifer? Well, he doesn't have any of his friends around anymore. You know, like the- and, and 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 even the gaming people that he hung out, that he hung out with, like Adam Cole and Tyler Breeze on like the on yeah. up up down down. Two of them are gone. It's yeah, I, I, I get what you I get what you're saying there because now it's like what what really is keeping him there, especially if there's another company out there where you're Cesaro already have the indie credibility, but you're also regarded as one of the best wrestlers, not only in the world, but for your generation, what exactly is keeping you here? Yeah. He's a, he's a slam dunk kind of guy for AEW. As far as I'm concerned, I, I, I don't see why they don't sign him, <laughs> you know, I'm talking about who do you sign? Who do you not sign? You definitely try to get him. And, and we talked about it, talked about it a bit there. We're talking about, you know, Darby fire ant, grizzly redwood, you know, He's a Chikara student and, you know, similar to another Chikara student, big man that they had in AEW recently or, you know, unfortunate, uh, his unfortunate passing with uh, Brody Lee is that 
He's an insane base for the smaller guys. And when he shows up in AEW, you'll see just how gigantic he really is compared to half these guys. And he'll make them all look like fucking a million bucks having these motherfuckers fly around him. <coughs> like, this is going to be nuts. And in WWE, you've really not gotten, not get, been given a great chance to see what he can do. Like, here and there, the stuff with Sami Zayn, obviously, showed it off. He's had some stuff with Rey Mysterio here and there where he's really gotten... but. You get him in there with some of the gifted flyers that AEW has under contract. Fucking fucking Dante Martin, like yeah. Jesus Christ. Phoenix, Dante Martin, even uh, Oh yeah, yeah, god damn. Pe- him and Phoenix. <laughs> talked about Pac. Talk about um uh Yeah, him, yeah, him and Pac him and Pac have barely have barely crossed paths. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there is a ton for him to do in AEW to show off like what what he's good at what he's you know what he can and, and do. but he's but that's thing, he's good at everything that's what makes Claudio such a special talent is like he can do that he's an all time great base he can do these all time feats of strength and you can put him in there with the powerhouses like Wardlow Keith Lee powerhouse Hobbs all that kind of stuff or if you want to have him go out there and have it like the real grinded out wrestling matches with Danielson or whatever. He can do that. We've seen him do gimmick matches. We've seen him. We've seen him do a lot of different stuff. There's a reason why people like us call him one of the best wrestlers ever. Yes. And yes. Yeah. Uh, man, it's it's a real interesting time. Like we see, we just seen Speedball back in the U.S. And ACH seems like he might have got his groove back again. Swerve Swerve is out there, and it seems like he's signing the AW. People aren't saying this guy's name because he just had a baby and he's been been off the grid for a little bit. But Johnny Gargano was still out there. Yeah. Candice LeRae is still out there. Claudio's out there. Thatcher just got released. Biff. It is. We talked about him. Like this is like. But yeah. We're, yeah, Biff. We're in, we're entering like T E W territory of like yes. just building this just building this ultimate roster of all the best wrestlers and not just having them but like actually using them kind of thing and like obviously people will say say whatever about like the tv time and this and that but it's like it's the roster really is ridiculous at this point and like i've said before that i would like to see the talent spread out but if we're also to a point where we're not really sure what roh is gonna be then we just have to wait until like a another alternative with that money backing behind it pops up um but right now, like just all the talent that could be heading there, and it's 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 getting it's getting crazy. And and the overflow. I mean, I did want to talk a bit. We've we've gone way over what we're supposed to be doing at this point. But there was a big indie weekend that included like talent that you're not gonna see in in W in AEW or WWE anytime soon. With the way things seem to be going, having crazy fucking showings on the weekend. Honestly, we talked about indie wrestling is back. But, like, indie wrestling is back. Uh, GCW shows over the weekend. I won't recommend really anything except for two death matches. Like, but you still have, like, the Briscoes. That's, that was one that stood out to me and, and had this cross my mind. Like, the Briscoes are not going to show up in AEW. I know that there's a lot of buzz and people think that they are. But I'm realizing that they're not. And they're just killing it on the indies, having great matches, especially in GCW, over and over again. But... What, make, what, makes, what makes you think, that the, like, the Briscoes just... That's just not going to happen. I think that the Jay Lethal backlash has probably made Tony Khan really gun-shy about anything like that. I think that he thought that he okay. was going to get away with Jay Lethal, and then there was a ton of backlash, and he's just, like, not going to do it. Maybe, maybe he'll wait, but I just think it's not anytime soon. You know, that's okay. that's kind of what I feel. But I will recommend from the GCW shows over the weekend two death matches, 
uh, from the first show, or maybe yeah, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. Does why am I? Why do I try to pick it apart like that? It doesn't matter. Um, Cole Radrick versus Oren Vite. I know Oren Vite sucks shit, but Cole Radrick in a death match was fucking phenomenal. Like, cannot recommend this more. Check it out. Great stuff. Hoodfoot versus Matt Tremont. Another death match. These guys murdered each other. Hoodfoot is legit. And another guy who I don't think shows up in AEW anytime soon. But this is what I'm talking about. The overflow is also killing it. AEW is so hot. The indies are so hot. There's tons of top-level talent. But you got the indie wrestling having, like, insane matches. Killing it with people who are not showing up on TV anytime soon. Violence is Forever are showing up now in AEW randomly. And they had a great match uh, against the Bang Bros on BLP. You know, like, there's so much stuff. Tom Lawler, Matt Mikowski had an amazing match on that BLP show that I would recommend people check out as well. Um, those are two guys I don't know. Matt Mikowski, maybe. Tom Lawler seems to be New Japan bound. But, yeah, like, there is so much fucking talent out there um, that I would just say, yeah, like, there's there's a guy like Brian Keith, who I'm really high on right now, starting to build. Maybe is not AEW ready anytime soon. But another one, like I said, wrestling is amazing right now. There's so much talent in the big companies that there's overflow talent on the indies they're having great matches as well so there's a ton of stuff to uh to to be checking out and watching right now big big indie weekend this next weekend looks like another big indie weekend especially with me going to shows um including debating going to a prestige show on sunday but uh yeah quentin uh, what what else do we want to talk about tonight before we uh go way too fucking long as we already have okay yeah let's uh Oh, we don't gotta speed it up. Like, let's yeah, we can put speed it up a little bit. Uh, Prestige, you saw all this show about what is apparently the second biggest indie in the U.S. Yes. now. Obviously, that is like factually false, probably. Yeah, depending on how but, you measure it, I don't think that it's true in any way. But sure. Um, but I saw two matches from it. I saw the Prestige title match of Tom Lawler, Alex Shelley, and Dalton Castle in the main event, which was Malachi Black and Davy Richards. I don't know if, if you have anything else you want to touch on, but we could just like touch on those real quick. I thought the three, I thought the three way was fun. I thought it was uh, ended in like a really kind of like old school way with like you know they built to a finish, but it was also like very just, like super like cut and dry. Alex Shelley gets a big baby face pop after he hits a double uh double slice bread on um on 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 a castle in Lawler there, and the plate the place reacts to it really strong. They are super into it and I'm excited for any company that has Alex Shelley as his champion. But even though it's a triple threat and obviously a triple threat isn't a <laughs> old school yeah. match site, it felt like the way it was laid out, it was super fun and like meant to send the crowd home happy in that kind of old school, maybe kind of like house show esque way. Yeah, no, definitely a lot of fun, solid match. And this is the match that's got me debating going to a prestige show. Cause they're running, uh, half hour 45 minute drive from my apartment on sunday they're running back this three-way but adding in speedball mike bailey so that's why i'm like ah don't really care about the rest of the card but you know if i have to if i can drive a half hour to see this three-way plus speedball that's a four-way that i kind of want to check out so we'll see i may or may not end up checking that out um and it'll be for the title so it probably will end up being the main event and it's sunday gotta go to work the next day i don't know we'll see i might i might decide but yeah this 
definitely an old school layout feels like a, a really satisfying pro wrestling match even if it's a three-way which uh is not necessarily always how they feel uh that said this show overall i was pretty much into everything not everything was great but it was enjoyable and the crowd was hot as hell the opener, Ethan HD and Nick Wayne, I would recommend for people. Uh, Ethan actually gets some some really solid work out of uh, um, Wayne. And Ethan HD is a guy who me and you have both been a fan of at least somewhat for quite a while, been aware of for quite a while, especially, uh, you know, shout out to Trask uh, from the Pacific Northwest because he was always a big fan of Ethan HD, I remember, um, from when we first uh, started talking to him. So, you know. Uh, there's two different four ways on this, a tag team and a singles. Uh, both have uh, Jaden in them, which is interesting. Uh, either way, they're both fun, but very skippable. And the main event, Malachi Black and Davey Richards. Uh, I thought that this was a really great showing from Davey. He seemed like he had his working shoes on, um, and he was really going for it here. Malachi looked close to like the Tommy N that I used to really love on the indies. Um I just, I wish that WWE hadn't broken this man's brain, but otherwise, I mean, at least he was somewhat back to, to actually having a solid wrestling match. This felt like a match that would have easily fit in at the peak of, or I guess it wasn't really the peak, but at the heights, let's say, of PWG when they were the buzziest, biggest talked about indie in all of wrestling. Um, this would have been easily on one of those cards and been a standout match that people would have talked about on one of those height of PWG cards. Um, so yeah, what uh, what did you think of the main event? I thought it was good. Like, you know, I've, I've been really like lukewarm on uh, on Davey for the, for, the, for the most part, but I thought dude, this is a really, a really solid performance from him here, selling a leg and uh, really like, it felt like Malachi, it, it felt like Malachi Black was the bigger star, which I think is important here because with Davey, and Davey has his name value in cachet, former ROH champion, TNA guy, all that kind of stuff. So, like, he has this level of credibility to his name and uh, what, what, what comes with it. But I felt like he definitely played his part here, which is what I wanted. Davey and, and Malachi, they trade, they trade kicks. They're both, the, like, kicky, kicky boys and all that stuff. And they, like, trade the strikes, but it felt like Malachi Black always was one step ahead or at least had an advantage the whole way through that I felt like um that I felt like lent itself to the match and it wasn't just someone fighting to earn some kind of credibility or respect from Davey I liked a little bit of a different approach to uh to Davey's matches so far on, a, on his indie return yeah seeing uh, and that's especially it and you talked about it there but Davey not big leaguing someone is definitely when he's better um, and that's, you know, I, you can't blame him, but at this point, a lot of people that he's getting booked against, he's like, who the fuck are you? And he's kind of, you can definitely tell that he's kind of big leaguing them and just doing his match. Um, here, that is not what's happening. Um, and Malachi, not only, not only did you tell that Davey was showing him respect, but Malachi also, you know, presents himself as a star. He always has, I've talked about it, but the guy was, you know, intentionally, uh, knew how to make sure that he stood out and make himself a star. And has for a while so so yeah so that was done really well um you mentioned kicky boys there and this is one we're not we haven't talked about but how do you feel about the ultimate kicky boy in uh nakajima uh <laughs> recently losing his title right um how did that uh oh man i didn't i didn't get, i didn't get to watch that before before we recorded so i'm probably gonna watch that after we're done here but um look 
This is objectively good, and I'll tell you why. Objectively, right? People might want to pretend that Nakajima is this like amazing, great wrestler now, and I like Nakajima. I don't have a problem with him, but how many? T- like, and I know that he hasn't had the belt since like 2016 or whatever. So I'm not going to make it seem like he's part of like the rotating cast of champions. But of all these guys, this was the this is a new thing. I think is at least somewhat interesting. I think that Mudo. That was just bullshit, and I was no reason I was gonna be interested in a, in, in a Mudo reign in 2021 with him thinking that he could still go out there and have great matches. Fujita's a different story. I'm all in on 10 minute, 15 minute Fujita GC title, GC heavyweight title t- title defenses. I'm all in on that. I want him to face Hideki Suzuki. I want him to face Masakatsu Funaki. Ooh. I want him to face. Kano. I want him to face Kano. I want him to face everybody. I want him to face fucking oh. Taka, uh, Takanari Ito. I want him. To, I want a Gleet invasion, and I want him to face all of the Gleet roster and JC Heavyweight title defenses. I want to see him do anything. Right, but you know, like I, as long as Fujita isn't going out there and having like thirty minute matches, I'm fine with whatever. <laughs> I'm fine with whatever Kazuyuki Fujita does. Fujita, right now, objectively cool, objectively badass. We both agree on that. This is a good thing. It's much better than putting the fucking belt on Mudo. But I think all of that stuff that you just said, I agree with 100%. And I just say where it leads to is the ultimate conclusion that makes the most sense. The feud of 2020, uh, the biggest match I think that this can end off is, is Go. Fujita versus Go, and Go takes the title from Fujita? I mean, come on. Tell me that story doesn't write itself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, yeah. <laughs> that's the uh, the big the big kicky boys. You just you reminded me of that when you mentioned the kicky boys. Um, Gleet. I mean, how much do we really have to talk about Gleet other than to say that this is the El Lindemann show, right? I mean, was there anything else that really stands out to you? Oh no, it was a really good show from top to bottom. Like I I enjoyed I enjoyed the fuck out of this show. Um, if I'm honest though, I think. Um, I feel like the final where Lindemann gets crowned champ beating Ito. I don't think the final was even close to as good as the as to, as either the semifinal matches. To be honest. Um. All right. Well, I'm just gonna say you're a fake fan because he doesn't beat Ito in the final. He beats uh, Tamara. Um. But that's okay. Oh. Oh my God. My, my, my bad. <laughs> I'm just fucking confused. around. Uh, I'm. I'm kidding. I understand. Yeah. It's easy to to mix up the names and misspeak especially when you're talking about gleet because it's so many random people who you only see like every what six months or something um but yeah i'm just fucking with you i i would have expected ito to be in the final as well but it did make sense um because hayato is better to be the heel for lindemann to beat um and i think ito i think ito the gleet wants to build around ito for sure you know, so I don't think that while you do kind of want him to seem important, that you wouldn't want him to lose to Lindemann here. Yeah, you you can you can kind of build up build up to that yeah. too eventually. You can you can like get a house for that probably. Yeah, I think I think definitely you could. Yeah, and I think that Ito Ito is Ito rocks. Obviously, I think we're both fans of him. Um, and uh, and I don't know. Am I wrong in saying that, Quentin? Do you like Ito? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we didn't review it, but uh, I assume that you saw the um, the match that he had with Shuji Ishikawa. Did we talk about it last week? 
I don't think so. Okay. No. Well, yeah, that match fucking ruled. He he loses, but he literally to me, I felt like he got everything that he could get from winning the match when he hits the big uh, headbutt to Shuji on the ground. It was like that moment was like his victory, and he got over as big as he possibly could in that moment. So, yeah, I just feel like he's a guy that that Gleet clearly is going to build is trying to build something out of, and yeah, so you don't want him losing here in in the in the final here. You have a. Uh, Hayata Tamura lose the champion, and, and he was game for sure. But to me, Lindemann cuts his hair. He's back to being clean cut, clean shaven. He's not looking as grimy. Maybe he heard me talking about comparing him to Rick Rude, and he wanted to be a, a pure good boy again. Um, so he he got rid of that look. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he he comes in here. T Hawk and Lindemann opening up the show. Uh, I know that you Jesus were a fan of this, Christ. but yeah, these guys beat the fuck out of each other, right? That was ridiculous, and it like drag Dragon Gate chemistry is a different kind of chemistry. Uh, like you, like you, you watch that, and you see like the other and the other and the other semifinal with Hay- Hayato and Ito, and like this good they beat the, they beat the shit out of each other there too. It was a good it was a good clash there, but this and just how it flowed, and not just the violence, but how it's it's a different kind of smoothness that those guys were that those guys came up in, and like. It shows when they wrestle each other. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's been that many like, like um, God, what the fuck are they called? Um, the group T Hawk, T Hawk, Shima, Lindemann, the OWE Stronghearts. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's totally blank on Stronghearts. Uh, it's a but weird name. Uh, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like we haven't seen a lot of them wrestling each other. So you kind of forget the chemistry that they would have wrestling each other because. No, T Hawk has obviously been around Linda the whole time Linda's been wrestling. And just the style they come from and it was like, Oh wow, like those guys could have always done something like this. Something that was compact like that, something that was hard hitting like that, fluid like that, smooth like that, felt like it had stakes, everything escalated, and it felt like credible that Linda could beat T Hawk because Linda has been built really has been built and booked really strongly in Gleet so far. So, I love I love that. I thought that was the best match of the night. I thought the semi, I thought the other semifinal with Hayato and Ito was really was really good too. But I don't know if you're with me, but I felt like the final uh just wasn't just wasn't as good either either of the semifinal matches though. No, yeah, it 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 was not. But like I said, it felt like a sacrifice situation. I think I agree with your initial thought that like the final being Lindemann and Ito would have made the most sense on paper and would have probably delivered the better match. Um, but they were, again, like I said, they were, they were clearly kind of sacrificing that for a better heel face alignment. And again, like saving a bigger match for a bigger setting, because that was one of the things that was confusing to me when you said, you know, let's talk about Glee. And I asked you, I was like, wait, what, what are you talking about? Because to me, the, um, the G pro shows are like, they don't even fucking count. (laughs) Like they have good matches and I will watch stuff on them. But to me, I only think about the big Gleet shows, like the version episodes. And uh, I was like, the last Gleet show was like in fucking 2022, like 2021. Like, I'm just like, it happened in December, you know? And, I'm, and I always remember like doing the podcast with Pete. He would always be, he would say like around January, February, if you're we trying to review something, he'd be like, that happened last year. Like, and he wouldn't want to talk about something, you know, if it happened the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I thought about that and I was like, yeah, you know, that was last year. You know, like, I don't want to talk about last year stuff. And it's weird because like, even if it was only a couple weeks ago, 
there is something about the different year. So when you were saying that, I was like, do you want to review the show from last year? Uh, but, you know, you're saying this one. And yeah, so so that's why you're going to save a big match like Lindemann and Ito, which I still think that you could build to getting something more out of. But yeah, like that's a that's a better matchup. And yeah, Tamara and, and Lindemann was fine for the final, but it and it also didn't feel like a big crowning achievement that's the weird thing because you do think like gleet doesn't want to because the final probably could have been t-hawk and lindemann also right but right but they don't want to fully like commit to strong hearts right and be like gleet is the strong hearts promotion especially because shima's booked in new japan like shima is going to be in the new japan cup and we've shown that when shima opens the door like he brings his boys with him and strong hearts are his boys. So we could see strong hearts becoming a new Japan act relatively soon. And they could use something like that to freshen things up there. So maybe Gleet is smart to not invest too heavily in them. Um, but yeah, like, you know, they don't want to, uh, to, to make it feel like Gleet is all about strong hearts and they have their own guys that they want to build around. All that makes sense. So, so yeah, but I think this match, the opening match, could have been the final and probably would have been better and would have felt like a bigger crowning achievement. Cause as you said, we don't have a ton of history of these guys wrestling each other and Lindemann coming up on T Hawk would have felt like a big deal. It could have been similar to, um, Oh man, what a comparison. Uh, Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn for the, uh, WWE, the NXT UK title. When Tyler Bate wins the tournament and wins the title, it felt like kind of a big thing because up until that point, Pete Dunn was higher in the pecking order from him in their group together um it would have been a very similar vibe i think it could have been a very similar vibe because t-hawk was the star and the big deal of of millennials and lindemann was like you don't even remember that he was in millennials right you know like that's the level of, of what yeah. he was so yeah i think you could have made a big deal out of that if you had made that the the final instead i think so but, but again i think that like i feel like the strong hearts guys deliberately probably aren't like doing all that stuff because they might be trying to get something out of it but yeah like you like this could have been t-hawk versus linda and probably would have been even even bigger or like felt or felt or felt bigger at least um i, I, really, I really like the joshi tag i like dash Jasako and uh Erika oka versus michiko miyagi and uh yukari hosakawa i thought that i thought that was really fun I thought the next stream versus Dash is so fucking amazing. Yeah. I love Dash is so great. Much. Like, yeah, Dash is oh, great. <laughs> fucking god, yeah. Uh, and then the next stream tag I thought was fun because mostly because of Irie, but um, Atsuki Oyagi and Rising Hayata versus um Issei Onitsuka and Shigeru Irie I thought was really good, but again, like mostly Irie and I think that Irie has gotten to a point where like he's the most underrated wrestler in the world. Like, no one talks about him, but. Every time you see Irie, he's ridiculously good, and I just wish that he might that he like got pushed anywhere of substance. I would say, but that's 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 all, that's all I had on Gleet. Mainly wanted to find a way to squeeze in some T Hawk and L Lindemann talk. Yes, but uh, yeah, it was it was a, it was a fun show though. I don't think it's anywhere near show of the year or whatever. I think JML had it like I said it was like a show of the year contender or whatever. And like I think that's insane. I wouldn't go that far, but. Tiak and Linda is is very well worth going out of your way to watch. The the trios match that had like kind of um the Gleet Young Stars and uh and some other kind of 
it's another just random like freelancer. Yeah, Sato Tita and uh, yeah, Izuka versus Tonsho, Asaki, and Samoa Tanabe. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was fun. Yeah, yeah that, that was good too. Yeah, and then the post match angle building into whatever. Like, I don't, I don't really know what's going on, but clearly there's some mix up and some some kind of different things going on. I think that uh, Toshu definitely there's some about him, man. Like, he has a presence and a look that I think like get something out of that guy. I don't know what, I don't know, you know, um, but I think that, yeah, I think that, uh, he's, they could definitely, you know, develop something with him and he's a, he's a Gleet guy. So I, I was, he kind of stood out to me where I was like, okay, they could, uh, they could make something out of that guy. Um, he's got some, some presence. So that was decent. And you know, the match was fine. And then the post-match stuff was, was interesting. I, I love JML, but calling this like a match of the year or a show of the year contender, I don't know. I mean, I guess the year is pretty early, so maybe, maybe. Yeah, like the (laughs) first two months of 2022 uh, contender. Yes. Like, I don't know. Uh, But that's it here. Um, I think that's about it. Obviously, we just reviewed Revolution, so we probably won't won't review it again next week. So oh yeah, we'll find something. We'll find we'll find some we'll find something to talk about. But unless you have anything else, unless you have anything else, unless you want to uh, go back uh, and like uh, what's your world World War Three thoughts? But, oh no, uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. yeah. <laughs> do you do you mean like oh Ukraine the Ukraine? Yeah. Oh, just that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Kidding. So FYI for people, because I heard some people talking about this. And maybe they're just being stupid, or maybe they just are stupid. But they're talking about Ukraine versus the Ukraine. And just FYI, if you're not aware, um, calling it the Ukraine is propaganda. It's Russian propaganda. Um, it's like saying, like you know, like the region of Ukraine. Basically, saying the region of Russia that is called Ukraine, um, and then calling it Ukraine as a proper noun as a country. Um, is the correct thing to do because it is its own country. Um, so just FYI, if you're wondering about that, unless you support Russia, I guess that's fine. Um, and you can support Russia, uh, in taking Ukraine back, but just so people understand the difference between calling it the Ukraine and calling it Ukraine. Um, that's the, that's the point there. Um, I just thought, Hey, I would explain it to people either way. Yeah. I think most people don't really think about like calling, calling something the, right. I think like, yeah, people, I think both people don't really think about that, but there's something worth considering. Yeah, it's just you know, it's like it's like marijuana, like you know, marijuana. Calling it marijuana the, is propaganda that's you know presented by the government or whatever. Like, just keep that in mind, <laughs> you know, whatever. That's fine. War is bad. All that's right, my think, that's my that's my takeaway on this is just so everyone knows, any kind of war is bad. Uh, brave a brave stance you're taking there, yes. Timothy. A real brave brave, brave stand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll be back next week. Uh, Thank you all for listening and hope you're here next time.